Hello and welcome to the Tech Lunch Podcast, where we encourage our listeners to learn something new about tech every week. This can range from learning about new and exciting applications to the advancements in coding and technology. If you are always learning, you will always be a step above the rest. Take the time during lunch or during a break to listen and learn, kind of like a lunch and learn, but for the years. This podcast will open the listeners' ears to new and exciting technologies they may have not been purviewed to in the past. These topics will range from manufacturing technologies to data collection technologies and everything in between. Hello, and welcome to the Tech and Lunch Podcast. I'm Nick. And I'm Ed. And this week we have a special guest. James, introduce yourself. Hey, I'm James. All right, and, you know, and this week we're kind of going to talking about the, you know, the IT stack, the OT stack, the automation stack. And, you know, we're going to start from the bottom level, you know, work our way to the top. You know, and we're talking about, you know, the ground level process or better known as the process level that we're talking about in the Purdue model. You know, we're talking about your sensors, your drivers, and your actuators, and your uh, freaking robots. You know, we're starting to think about that. You know, you talk about, you know, how that data, you know, data that's being utilized at those levels or collected those areas that can be sending that data back up the stack and how it can get to your, your main enterprise network back to your MQTT areas and stuff like that where somebody can take that and translate that to KPIs. So, you know, Ed, when we're talking about the process area, you know, what are you thinking about? So when I think about the process area, things that come to my mind is all of the uh, data we can capture and using that data as uh, in KPIs and setting up dashboards so we can capture if a sensor is seeing some abnormality or if a drive is drawing too much current or if an actuator is not performing like it's supposed to or if we have a robot that's out there welding a point and it always has an issue at a point or it has an issue at some place in a coordinate we can capture that data in real time we can feed that up the automation stack. We can analyze that data in, in dashboards for managers where they can make decisions and say, hey, well, maybe when we run this type of unit, we need to uh, run less of this unit till we figure out this problem. So, James, you're new, you're new to the show, uh, new to the podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, want, we would like to know from a controls engineer point of view, how could you use these tools? Um, well, Ed, I guess... From from a from a moderately involved controls engineer perspective, I guess the main thing I'm looking for from upper level systems is the reduction of signal proliferation. What I mean by that is that we want to bottleneck our communications as much as possible. So we don't want to be writing to every single device we have in here. We don't want to be writing from the top down, from the bottom up, from from most of our PLCs straight to an upper level server. We want to try and uh, we want to try and put a restriction on that as much as possible. And the good thing about some of the new web security and net security standards is that they do introduce nodal architecture in a way that benefits us. So most of our lands and most of our control nets only are really concerned with talking to one specific server uh, because if it's done right, 
we are controlling the data flow through one point. Um, and my imagination is that we're doing that to limit the exposure of any attacks. Okay. Now, when we're thinking about that, you know, as we move into the, you know, the basic controls area of, you know, the batch controls and stuff like that, you know, safety control, safety nets and whatnot inside the station itself, you know, but the thing is, is let's kind of backtrack back down to, you know, down to the main level, you know, as we talk about, you know, basic controls and the process levels. You know, we start thinking about uh, preventative maintenance. You know, James, you as a controls engineer, when you start thinking about preventative maintenance, you start thinking about these controls have to be replaced at some point in time. Mm. So, you know, if you start thinking about like MQTT, if you have a smart sensor, you know, for example, we know that, you know, uh, you know, a major industry supplier out there, Lenza, Lenza does support mm. MQTT. But now how can that, you know, support help you when you're talking about your basic controls areas and your process areas? Um, well, it, it all really goes back to your main controls philosophy. Uh, so we're, we're at an interesting time in history and that we, I'm not going to say for the first time, but for the first time on a large scale, have people that really are coming into into the industry, not from an, a standard electrical or standard maintenance or standard mechanical um, background, but we have we have some of these young cats that are coming in that understand computers and understand networking and understand coding. Um, so for the first time, we're really starting to think about how we lay out our systems and not that we're just patching in whatever we get as we go along, which, you know, to be honest for, for even high level guys is going to be 90% of your work in the controls field is just figuring out what, what, you know, your maintenance guys have, have put cobbled together over the years. Um, but the, the way it, it is going to make my life easier. Uh, and it, that's especially with some of the new uh, SCADA HMI um, MQTT uh, uh, production system MES hybrids, like especially like uh, uh, your ignitions coming out, is that we can have a unified um, communications approach. Um, and uh, Lens is a fantastic example. I like a lot of the directions Lens are moving. Um, I think they've got a better approach on Industry 4.0 than, uh, say, some of the big boys, especially Alan Bradley, though you're going to find that I'm pretty biased against them to, <laughs> to begin with. Uh, but so back to your question is that it allows me to structure my controls net on a unified concept and not necessarily have to run by the skin of my teeth, have 700 different controls protocols or communications protocols or industrial networking protocols. Cause uh, I guess, I guess the end message is that, you know, at least in America, 
in the American market. And as, as much as it pains me to say that is, that's going to be your norm is most, most places you walk in are going to have controls net and D net and maybe profanet and industrial ethernet. And it's just going to be a hodgepodge because nobody who understands it, put it together. So that's, the main benefit is that someone who actually understands networking and understands computing and understands subsystems has put these together with options that we can unify our controls and communications protocols. Well, whether you like uh, this system or that system, say A or B, the, the, the thing that I, I, I took from what you said is that um, you're you're looking to... Uh, optimize your optimize the system. You're looking to take legacy systems and incorporate incorporate legacy systems into uh, a process where you don't have to bother with these legacy systems. We know yeah. that a lot of these plants are going to be op using the same equipment for 20 years, maybe 40 years. Mm. But here here's the caveat. You said an inter interesting thing before. You was talking about not proliferating a lot of signals. Mm. The beauty of MQTT is I can assign topics, and with those topics, I can say, hey, I'm only interested in this. I'm Absolutely. subscribing to only this. Yeah. So now you can build a funnel, and with that funnel, that funnel can take all of these data points and put these data points into a place, feed it up through the SCADA system, from the SCADA system up to MES, from MES up to the ERP system, and all these systems talk together, not directly. They talk to each other through a uh, a, uh, a MQTT mm. um, system where basically I have a pool of data. Everybody subscribes to this pool of data. If anything changes, it changes in the pool. So I don't care about current in this application. I care mm. about VIN numbers. So I only want VIN numbers. So you subscribe to what you want. And that is the beauty of MQTT. Yeah. That is the beauty of MES and ERP and SCADA systems mm -hmm. and the lower levels where we got sensors and HMIs and PLCs. That's the beauty of all these systems tying together. Yeah. And the thing is, just, you know, from the from the IT standpoint, when it comes down to the lower level process and the basic control standpoint, for me, it's easy. You know, it's the taking this data and throwing it into a server and kind of just just fighting with it not really fighting with it but kind of making heads or tails of you know what's going on and you know that kind of takes us for you know kind of a loop because we start talking about you know absorbing all that data from the lower level and taking that and throwing that into dashboards which we were talking about visualizations before and also you know using that data for to, to make edu education educational changes later on as far as, as changing our, AP, our KPIs and also like our purchasing standards. And, you know, but that also goes back to, you know, when we start getting into the clients, you know, the workstations and stuff like that, you know, this is the world that, you know, pretty much I begin to live in from the IT standpoint is building your client to work on your line. You know, we start talking about that. We start talking about how do I interact with a technology that's below it? You know, and that means, you know, like white labeling out, you know, um, different clients and keeping them on the internal automation network or inside the cell network or the zone network, if we like to go that way, inside the firewall. Or we talk about outside the firewall if I need to communicate to my main network or not. 
It's just kind of how, you know, kind of how we look at things. But when we start thinking about workstations, workstations are kind of one of those things of where it can go from A to Z pretty quickly because, you know, in that same standpoint, you have the workstation of your team leads, your group leaders, and stuff like that inside that area that are managing their people and work and looking at their zones along with the maintenance techs. However, then you start getting in the engineering standpoint. You know, well, we have to have engineering laptops or workstations that have to communicate not just from you know, the internal network of that station inside that DMZ, that, 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 uh, that zone inside the firewall, but also outside the firewall when you're talking to outside parties and vendors. So when we start talking about, you know, what is called the area supervisory control network or level two, you know, in this grand scheme of things, we start talking about workstations. So, you know, James, you come from the control side. When we start talking about workstations, you know, what are you kind of thinking about when you start hearing that as far as thrown on the, from the control standpoint? Um, from the control standpoint, generally, um, generally, and, and in most of my experience, we're talking about operator interfaces uh, for planning and steering and marquees. Um, so it... We're we're talking about ancillary or add-on purchases to most of my pro most of my projects. Um, it, it doesn't present much of a consideration or challenge uh, uh, in 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 most of my work, um, and in honestly, not much of a risk. And I think this is one of the things that you're going to see in the future um, uh, become a lot more user-friendly and a lot more fleshed out is the delineation between just con traditional controls and some of the more, for lack of a better term, IT-facing aspects of modern computer-based manufacturing. Um, yeah. So... Now hold on. Now when we start thinking about that, you know, you're talking about when you're talking about workstations. Are you also thinking that you should be thinking about HMIs at that same point in time? Um. Well, no. Yes and no. See, this all, this all, it, we're going into controls concepts now, and the the way I see the future going, the way I see, and I'm going to go out of limb and uh, and be opinionated here to say for the better and the correct way is to just blur the line right up between HMIs and what we call marquees and workstations. We need to make these flexible and adaptable and much more user-friendly to your average operator. Um, you're, so I think one of the good things that we're seeing in controls architecture and the, like I said, the approach of a more computer, computer savvy workforce entering into uh, the, uh, the manufacturing hardware and, you know, a day-to-day -day manufacturing zone is that we are especially, like I said, with uh, Ignition and with some of these enhanced and integrated, and I'm doing air quotes here, SCADA platforms, is that we start to 
merge what we consider traditional HMIs um, with what we would consider, again, marquees and operator facing and management facing and steering facing so that we can unite it not only for ease of programming controls packages, but for ease of use by the end the end user. So it's let's just go ahead and say it's it's an operator interface just like a car. Um, and and that's that's really where we want to go. Um, I, I think what, whether whether the industry knows it or not, whether the world knows it or not, where we want to go with controls is where we've always wanted and what we've always talked about and has been a big joke in the controls world is plug and play and set it and forget it and turnkey. Those terms are jokes and misnomers in the controls world because no system that you deliver can be this. But I think the the approach that can get us the quickest to that is from the top down. So read that to mean from higher level systems, from your uh, from your SCADA, from your server, from your main data processing and steering down to controls and minimizing the role of the PLC. So I, I would say when we talk about that, the the reason we leave those uh, devices or we leave those concepts in different levels is because of what you said earlier. Um, because of security concerns, now we have to segment the networks. Now we have to have industrial security zones, enterprise security zones, and then we have to have a DMZ. So I totally agree that we should make these things a service in the, in the cloud. However, we should also have internal services or internal clouds that speak from cloud through DMZ to cloud. You, we may not need the hardware. Mm -hmm. We may not need a, a hundred HMIs. We may just need a server that runs a service in a cloud, internal cloud, <clears throat> and then we send that to a tablet. Sort of like a headless, headless workstation. Headless workstations, tablets. Uh, I mean, VR, whatever. VR, I mean, you yep. just name it. Personal error networks. Uh, we, there, there are a lot of things you can use to do these things. So you're right, as far as having a PC out on the floor for HMI, I think that's going to probably be something that will go away. It's something that we can live without because of the way we live mm -hmm. today yeah. with all the technology. So, Nick, what do you, what do you think from a cloud point of view far as saving money on resources. How do you think that works? Well, there's a lot of stuff that you can do, especially in that, you know, especially for like the operator interfaces and stuff like that. You know, I can buy more iPads and stuff like that for a cheaper rate than I can buy an entire, you know, HMI set. You know, so, but the thing is, is what I could do from there is go to a BLE system or blue, or um, uh, Bluetooth, you know, um, and take that interface, and as you walk by certain areas, something will pop up on your screen. It'll pop up the HMI, just right there on an iPad, based off of a BLE network, you know, or a Bluetooth or a Bluetooth level area network that's communicating to that via a cloud interface. And your cloud's always going to be cheaper than running an on-site network. Always. One, you don't have to worry about the risk. You don't have to worry about anything like that. But also, you start getting into the API configuration. 
you know, now you're talking about doing API communication from point A to point B. Now I'm writing all of your code and stuff like that using APIs, which is actually more secure because you're having to use certain, th certain you know, tricks of the trade to pull data out of the API using JSON and XML, amongst other things. So it kind of segregates your data even more. And also, when you're talking about like the cloud level stuff, you're talking about virtualization. Inside the virtual realm, you're talking about you know virtual switching, virtual networking, and stuff like that. So you're segregating your data even at the OS level instead of worrying about segregating your data at the lower end level. So you kind of do all of that beforehand, then you still run through a switch and stuff like that. You know, in a firewall, internal firewall, and also you know inside your industrial security zone. Which kind of brings us to our next topic, or level three, is the industrial security zone, where there is a firewall or a jump, uh, jump site from that location, from where we go from the operator interface or the HMI or the IT interface to the seller of the zone, you know, back up into, you know, the industrial, the, the, the IDMZ, which is the technical DMZ for the IT network you know, back into the enterprise zone. So it gives you a no-go zone. Um, however, you can still cross through there using your industrial firewalls, you know, which, you know, you start talking about, you know, the, the side of the house. We start going into, say, the Siemens side of the house. You start talking about scalance. You know, your scalance is the entry level to the industrial security zone and into the industrial demilitarization zone through the firewall subset into your enterprise security zones. So, you know, we start thinking about, you know, level three, you know, I'm just going to throw this out there. You know, we start talking about industrial security zone, you know, what do y'all think? So I'll just jump in just a minute, James, and then we want to get your point of view because we, we, we always want to look from the customer and from level zero through three, we're talking about the customer on the OT level. Um, one of the things that, that Dick said with security, the, the big push now is because a lot of the old protocols and legacy systems that they're just not going away. No matter how much we wish them to go away in existing plants, they're not going away. But what you can do is do hardening. We can go in and say, cut these services off. We can go in and say, hey, we only want to communicate on these ports and these ports only. There is no FF. Yeah, there is no FTP uh, communications. We're gonna we're gonna do things, and then if we connect something to the network. The network is sensitive to things being connected. So IDS systems, IPS systems, things at that level that can detect these things. But we don't want to make the controls guy job hard. So I, in my opinion, I think what we can do to make things better or what we can do to make things more productive is to talk to the guys that actually work on the equipment, talk to the guys that actually program equipment, and find out from them guys, hey, what works for them? So what works for you? Well, Ed, um, I'm, I'm going to be blunt here, and it's that, and, and I know uh, this will probably be echoed for most of your controls engineer, regardless of our level. Uh, security is not a concern for me. Um, and it's not necessarily that it's not a concern for me, but it's not something I'm going to think about on a day-to-day -day level. Um, and, and, and it's, it's simply because security is necessarily something worried about on a higher level, um, uh, at your, at your server level. I, I 
by virtue of what I do, um, for better or for worse, and believe me, some days it's, it's the worst, um, deal with a machine net or a, a hard-coded LAN. Um, so I think from that perspective, what, what, what we can do and we, it's these, these seeds are being planted and they are bearing fruit every day. Um, how long it's going to take industry to catch up to that, you know, your guess is as good as mine, but we really do need to reduce the amount of hardware on machine lands. Let me say this. So I, I know you say that you don't you don't uh, think about security that way, but when we think about thinking security, it's not hey I gotta be uh, at the switch looking hey what's going through the switch. That's that's not what the concept is. The concept is is enabling the people on the, on the shop floor. So what I mean by enabling people on the shop floor, you use something like TI Portal, and mm -hmm. TI Portal has these tools built into it. It's it's not even anything you have to do. It's just mm -hmm. once you set up the project, the project is encrypted, so no one can mess with the data. The project is, the levels are set up in the project, so you don't have to worry about access control. And then the other thing, it monitors everything that's changed in that system. So the security is built into these things. Siemens is in the forefront of making these things, and that's what we need. We don't need the guy that's using the tool to go out and make this tool the best and secure thing in the world. We need the people producing the tool to build the security into it, and we just need to educate the people on what to and what not to do. So that so and Nick could probably give you a little bit more uh, another vantage point from his point of view why we have we all have to participate in security just in 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 day to day our thinking. It's more of a thinking and doing the right thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's not hitting the, hitting the button you're not supposed to hit. You know, answering the email you're not supposed to answer. You know, it, it's the protection of the internal network. Because if somebody on the shop floor side of the house does something that they're not supposed to do, you know, you now polluted your your interior network, your your, your industrial security zone. And the problem is, is with that, if once you get inside that zone, it's a pretty open area. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty nasty area because... It's older equipment. It's stuff that's vulnerable, stuff that may not be patched all the time, which is, you know, from an IT standpoint, that gives me heartburn, you know, because I have to think about how am I going to patch the stuff that's on the line that is not being replaced, you know, that the controls engineer screams, say, I want that replaced, but management decides not to, you know, at that point, that's now up at risk because if one of those systems get in gets infected with malware or with ransomware or with even a trojan for that matter you know it can eat through our eat through the network into your networks but it's worse when it gets into like an industrial security standpoint because it starts eating through and and pull and encrypting that data and pulling that data out next thing you know now you've got millions of dollars worth of locked equipment that you just can't reduce you know and so that like security standpoint from the it side that's what we're all about, you know, and, you know, we think about it from the IT and the OT standpoint, you know, as we cross through the, uh, the uh, you know, the DMZ, you know, which we consider a DMZ in the industrial world, it's industrial DMZ, where, you know, that's the, the web no-go zone. You know, we don't bring the web through there. We try not to, 
You know, that's why most of our, you know, most of the HMIs or anything like that that you see in any industrial plant, you'll never get the internet. You'll never get anything you need, you know, that, you know, people can go, can't go watch Netflix online, you know, because that's a great way to pollute your network. But we kind of cut it off there, you know, as a safety standpoint, that's where our patching network is located. You know, we use that patching network to patch everything below it and also everything above it. Um, so that's kind of, you know, where that goes. But then we start transitioning into what is a level four, which we start getting into the enterprise security zone of the enterprise networks, you know, the IT systems and, and stuff like that, the control systems. This we start getting to the site business planning and logistics networks, um, which is our level four out of all things. You know, which that is, is your MES system. It sits on top of your SCADA. Um, you know, that's kind of where we sit, you know, the grand scheme of IT. You know, where we handle that network, the patching and the scanning and stuff like that from that level. So, you know, kind of when we start thinking about that, you know, what do you all think about when we start thinking about that area? Um, from a controls perspective, again, uh, the, the, the things I'm going to think about is how bottlenecked the information coming to me is going to be, uh, in, let's say if, if we're talking about the auto industry, generally I would be concerned with quality. I'd be concerned with steering, um, and there may be some other ancillary systems, but what what would really um, impact me on a day-to-day basis is the amount of servers I have to talk to and the quality and size of the data I'm passing through to those. So at, at an above level, it, 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 we're talking probably two to three levels above above my plc net so that's that let's read that to mean the cpus that have some hard programming on them not necessarily my uh, instrumentation net or my robot net um in 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 that sense most of what a controls engineer would be would be concerned with would be the method of throughput. Um, yeah. So I would say, here's the big thing. Here's the beauty of MQTT. I'll, I'll say it again. I'm going to beat MQTT into the ground until everybody get tired of hearing it and say, oh, I'm going to check out this, this concept, MQTT. Yeah, exactly. This is a system where I can say, I have brokers and I have clients. The client is sending information to the broker. The broker handles, he's the traffic light. He's directing everything where it needs to go. Then I have a subscriber. The subscriber say, I only want to know this data. This data and nothing else. And if it doesn't change, don't send it to me. Only send it to me if it changes. I'm looking for 72 degrees. If you don't go above 72 degrees, I don't care. And here's the other beauty of this whole system. Now, I can put this system into uh, Kibana, use Elastic, use Power BI, make dashboards. And you come in every morning and you got a nice, beautiful little dashboard like when you're driving your car to tell you how much gas you got and how fast you're going. Except for it's not telling you how, how much gas you got and how fast you're going. It's telling you, hey, I had problems here. 
It was that sensor right there. Uh, excuse mm -hmm. me, maintenance. Please go change that sensor. And then, like I said, from that point of view, uh, Nick can probably take us out and wrap up and put this, put a bow on this present. Yeah. You know, that's when we kind of bounce into the enterprise network. You know, pretty much your email, your web, your, your web surfing. You know, all the stuff that is kind of like your intranets, you know, before you get to the internet, you know, inside that realm. So that is, you know, our first level of protection, you know, for the enterprise security networks. You know, that is the, the layer that has to be penetrated to enter the rest of the network. However, you know, that kind of brings me, brings us back to the fact that, you know, security is everybody's responsibility, no matter how you look at it. You know, and one penetration in any of these areas, the entire area is compromised. And it's just not that, you know, it's just the fact that, you know, we have to think about that. We have to get on board that we have to be, you know, stand behind it. We got to understand that we have three levels that we're dealing with here, but you know, inside that we have to push for it and we got to push for the, the, the change when it comes down to the MQTT, we must push for the change for when it comes to industry Ford auto. You said it perfect earlier, you know, the, your, your typical controls engineers are going away. You're getting more of your IT engineers now coming in there that are running these systems and they're not taking jobs from people. They're making other people learn a little bit, you know? So, you know, as we go there, we start getting people that are more concerned about security and understanding that, you know, and changing the way that we do things on the shop floor levels. But, you know, with that, you know, I lead us out. So, you know, hope everybody's a good night and uh, we'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the Tech at Lunch podcast, where we hope you learned something about tech during your break or during your lunchtime. If you did, please give us a follow to prevent missing future episodes. If you have any ideas or something you want to hear or learn about, please send us a show idea to podcast at vulcanora.com. Hope you have a good rest of the day and continue learning.